The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated with host Kristen Harper. She's here to give you those extra tips that you don't always get from other health and wellness programs. Kristen has all the bases covered and just a bit more. Now, here is your host, Kristen Harper. Hello, listeners. This is Kristen Harper, radio show host. My show is Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated on Voice America's Health and Wellness channel and also on KFNX. And I am... Uh, Very excited about today's episode. This episode is all about naturopathic principles. And my special guest is Dr. Nick Baradovich. I'm excited to have him on. He has been a naturopathic physician for many years. I will be going over his bio. And I wanted him on also because he has a great personality um, great sense of humor, and he also is a, a pro- professor of naturopathic medicine at Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine. And if you'd like to be a sponsor of the show, please send me an email to Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, at KristenHarperSpeaks.com. Your business will get a lot of exposure because Voice America is the largest live internet radio network in the world, and KFNX is the largest terrestrial radio network in Phoenix, Arizona. And so let me go over uh, Dr. Nick's bio, which if you would like to read the entire bio, is at scnm.edu. And then just look under faculty and you'll find his bio. So Dr. Nick is a professor of naturopathic Medicine Chair, Department of Physical Medicine. Dr. Nick is a professor of naturopathic medicine and the Department Chair of Physical Medicine. He graduated from the National College of Naturopathic Medicine in 1983. He is an original faculty member at Southwest College and also has served as the Secretary of the Board of Trustees. He maintains a private practice in naturopathic family medicine with an emphasis in musculoskeletal disorders and pain management. Dr. Nick was in the initial Naturopathic Academy of Therapeutic Injection training in 2005 and has been using RIT techniques since then. He has also acted as a TA and an instructor in prolotherapy injection hands-on workshops offered here at SCNM, and he has practiced for more than 35 years and continues to be passionate about naturopathic medicine and healing. It is an honor to have Dr. Nick on my radio show. Welcome. Hi, Kristen. Thank you for inviting me on your program. Uh, listening to my bio, I kind of sounded like that's an old guy. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I graduated in 1983. I like to think of it as I'm an early graduate rather than an old timer. And I am uh, still very passionate about naturopathic medicine. 
Yes, and that's uh, a reason I really wanted you on. You're just you have a lot of passion. Uh, so um, basically, uh, I would like to uh, start off because you've been a physician for uh, decades. And yeah. what would uh, what would you say? What do you love most about being a naturopathic physician? Well, the things that I love most about it is being able to help people with their health concerns. Uh, that's you know a very significant part of you know, what continues to drive my passion. And also, as an instructor, professor at the Southwest College, you know I teach students to become naturopathic physicians. So, and uh, I was involved, as you had read in my bio. As a founding faculty member of the college, so I've been involved since it started in 1993. So I've been involved in the education of quite a few numbers of uh, naturopathic students to naturopathic physicians. And so I feel like I've been able to touch uh, quite a few people just through that direct lineage of I'm their teacher, they become doctors, they go out and treat other people. So I'm involved in that as well. So it's something that I consider very uh, important. And um, I'm very happy about. Yes, yeah, so it seems like you have a very busy schedule, and uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, um, what do you love about teaching the most in terms well, of teaching naturopathic that, medical students? Yeah, just for a background for some of your listeners, uh, I am the department chair of physical medicine at the college, yes. and yes. that primarily means that I teach the orthopedic courses and the manual medicine manipulation courses. Um, manipulation manual medicine is what most people might understand what the chiropractic profession does uh, in that context. The naturopathic profession also does do manipulation, and so that's what I teach. And I also am the uh, course coordinator for the history of philosophy sequence as well, so I get to teach and supervise other uh, instructors on the uh, aspects of philosophy of naturopathic medicine. And so that's some of the things I will talk about today. But just the context of uh, opening up you know, people's minds and informing them with information uh, and you know, providing mentorship and, and, again, just you know, the passion that I feel and have for the profession. <clears throat> and, again, what I find is so important is you know, helping other people to become uh, healthy or to achieve their health goals. Yep. Uh, that is awesome. And so... What I'd like to get into is uh, talking about what are the naturopathic principles, and we can just go through each one. Would be great. Sure. Well, the naturopathic principles, <clears throat> you know, kind of came out of a, uh, a consortium in the uh, mid '80s of our national association, where we felt like it was important to provide some measure of identification of the profession itself. And so rather than being identified by what we do, we provided these, give us the sense of this is, you know, um, how we do the things that we do. And so uh, there was a series of a couple of years where a number of different went uh, from the profession came together and finally elucidated or elucidated six different principles. And so just to uh, delineate them and to name them, and then we can talk about each individual one, is um, the healing power of nature, first do no harm, find and treat the cause, treat the whole person, um, the doctor as teacher, and prevention. So those are the principles themselves, and they kind of, for me, provide the filter through which our practice is... um, kind of promoted uh, or seen. If you use that as the way that you approach how you practice, you'll never go wrong. 
Yes, um, and so, absolutely. No, we're just going to say, in relationship to that, different people might have different prioritizations of which principle might be important for them or more important and so on and so forth. I do think that, you know, they are all important. Uh, they all have value. Um, I find that for myself personally, the healing power of nature is probably the most important or kind of the umbrella under which the other ones operate and just in terms of knowing that nature does have the ability to heal or to regenerate, to self-regulate uh, and to repair itself from injury or from other kinds of uh, metabolic uh, conditions uh, that, that happen. So um, by that belief, the idea is just to be able to, again, stimulate that ability of the body. Uh, we call that the healing power of nature. And in, in Latin, it's referred to as the vis meditrix naturae. So our focus is really very much to uh, support the vis, which is the healing power of nature, and then the body, more or less, once it's able to do that, We'll do that. It's kind of that's the, the the point of which the body wants to be. It wants to be healthy, and obviously we live in a world with a lot of um, problems in terms of environmental toxicities, you know, diseases and things like that. So it's not necessarily as easy said as it's done, but you know that's the main important thing. And also, just in the context of the healing power of nature, um, I also do see that in the context of you know, looking at something from a philosophical standpoint, we also talk about removing the obstacles to cure, and installing the determinants to health. So basically, it's take away what's bothering you or getting in your way, put in the things that are going to help you and make you healthy, and then naturally the body will move towards a healthy condition. And that's also part of also that aspect of the healing power of nature. And then, of course, after that, for me, the other one that's very important is first do no harm. I yes. believe all the medical professions have that as their uh, oath, the Hippocratic Oath is what it's referred to uh, in relationship right. to that. So um, you want to make sure that you know, your patient gets better, not worse. Uh, and, and frankly, there are circumstances in an acute scenario where a person might come in and they might feel a little bit worse before they feel better. But you, it's important for the physician to make that determination that whatever kind of, a, if it is potentially an aggravation or a reaction, that, that's simply a reaction by the body and not something that's, uh, you know, wrong therapy or something that's been done that's uh, injurious. And so we want to make sure that we do just what's appropriate for the body, kind of not too much, not too little. Sometimes I refer to it to my students as the Goldilocks principle. You don't want something to be too hot. You don't want something to be too cold. You don't want something to be too big, too small. You want it to be just right. So the approach that you take is to make sure that the body can use the recommendations of the therapies that we use in our modalities uh, and not overpower or overwhelm the, uh, the response mechanisms. Yeah. And, you know, following that, you know, I do see the principles in the context of kind of pairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, um, find and treat the cause is really very, very important. And when we think about find and treat the cause, you know, that's a very wide landscape of what's causing a person's um, problem or condition uh, and, or symptoms. <clears throat> and it's sometimes difficult to figure out what it is because, as I said, it's a very complex landscape. Um, when I think of, you know, finding and treating the cause, there's not only the aspects of the cause on a physical level, the cause on a kind of 
metabolic level, you know, the cause that might be mental, emotional, but there's also the sense of a person has about their spirituality, about their sense of existentialism. These are all things to kind of pay attention to, um, which of course takes time. And quite often in the practice of naturopathic medicine, the doctor spends a fair amount of time in consultation with the patient. And of course, the rapport that's developed between the doctor and the patient is very, very important as well to develop a sense of trust so that they can explore some of these factors that might be more complex or deeper-seated about what might be going on. And uh, when I think of, you know, finding and treating the cause, there's a wide array of different things that a person can have. And uh, I quite often think of it as, you know, there are probably, for me at least, and there may be more for other individuals, I I look at it like there's five silos of areas uh, to look at. And uh, from my perspective, being involved in manual medicine, I always think of structural issues. You know, a person has a sprain this, uh, broken that, wore out this, you know, body part, that kind of a thing. And that is a structural issue uh, in terms of anatomy. <clears throat> there, and also all the silos, are none of them exist in isolation. They uh, overlap in many respects as well. <clears throat> and then you can also think of an individual who has some type of a metabolic condition, diabetes, cardiovascular condition, hypertension, you know, gastrointestinal problem, these things that manifest asthma for respiratory, you know, different things that kind of work on an organ, you know, process that can be, you know, what's going on. And um, some of that certainly also is, you know, created to or supported by, not supported by, but led, led to by poor lifestyle choices. Uh, so that, that's the metabolic kind of context. I also do think that mind-body is so important in terms of stress and anxiety. I think, you know, there's much more indication that, particularly with social media, sometimes people just get more stressed out, they're more anxious and depressed. Uh, and I think there's evidence in the literature that shows that, you know, that those numbers and those statistics, the percentages seem to be increasing. So does a person have, you know, a stress base, an anxiety base, a depression base? Then many times that has to deal with issues that they would have perhaps with conflicts uh, or you know, aspects of self-identity and, and things like that. And again, these things are deeply seated quite often, and people quite often repress these things. And um, there's a quote by, by a physician from the uh, late 1800s, Sir William Osler, and he's quoted as saying, the organs will weep tears that the eyes cannot shed. So if a person represses something that they have difficulty with emotionally, it's going to manifest, and quite often that manifestation can be in physical terms, it can be in metabolic terms, and, and, and or in mind-body terms where a person you know might be um, depressed or anxious and, and things like that. So that's another one of the silos. Also, there's environmental things, environmental toxicity. We live in a fairly toxic world. Uh, there's a lot of things in terms of aspects that we've created from uh, industry that are in the environment that are toxic and uh, individuals' exposure to that can cause a, a condition, a disease, a process, uh, and it's important to figure that out. Now, those things certainly can be supported by evaluations through laboratory diagnostics and things like that to you know, find that's what's going on. And the other silo that I find that quite often is uh, a significant one is infectious disease. 
And I think that, you know, the aspects of that is very important. You know, Lyme disease is a big thing. Uh, I think in the earlier days, tuberculosis was a big thing. Polio was a big thing. More recently, as I said, Lyme's disease, you know, HIV, AIDS. Um, and currently I've read recently that, you know, Ebola is, you know, breaking out into the Congo. And so these are things that are infectious in nature that uh, can impact a person's health. So once we find what's the cause, then we can treat that. And that's not as I, that's not so easy to do because I said it can be complex, there can be overlap, uh, but it is important to find out what's really going on and then address that. And uh, the other principle that goes along with that is to treat the whole person. And this is not just that you have a bad back and you're going to receive treatment for your back or you have a headache and we're just going to take care of the headache, or you have a cough, we're just going to take care of the cough. It's treating the whole person. And part of that is, you know, finding and treating the cause, which helps to, you know, set the landscape for that. But finding out what's the person, again, in terms of lifestyle, what's your diet like? You know, your diet might be inflammatory in nature, and so that contributes to your arthritis, that contributes to your joint pain, that contributes to your fatigue, and, and various other, you know, conditions that a person or symptoms that a person might present with. And so we're going to attend to that as well. You know, how much sleep or rest do you get? These things are very, very important and fundamental and sometimes overlooked because they're so simple. And the other thing also is how much time do you spend in nature? Um, and those things patients typically have an ability to control. Uh, and so I always mention in relationship to that, patients can control what they eat typically. They can control how much movement is in their life, exercise or, you know, activity, levels of activity. They can usually control, you know, their thoughts and feelings and actions. And so in terms of mind-body stress stuff, they have an ability to, you know, manage that. And then again, rest and sleep and time in nature. So those are things that, you know, can do that. And that's partly treating the whole person and not just being isolated. I think in our model of medicine, the conventional model, uh, with the specialties, you know, you come in with a problem, you see a specialist that just deals with that problem, and they don't necessarily deal with the entire person. And quite often that individual problem might get better, but the person as a whole may not really get better. So, uh, again, that's the principal nature of how we approach uh, our treatments. And then the other two more uh, principles, which I also believe have a pairing, is a doctor is teacher. So the doctor needs to educate the patient about what's going on. You know, uh, patients come in, and, and I always tell students this, you know, the most common treatment people use is grin and bear it. They will kind of see how it goes uh, and, and wait and see, so to speak. And then if it gets to the point where they feel like this is out of control, I'm, you know, I'm coughing up blood now, I'm pooping out blood, you know, my headache is so bad, I, you know, I can't sleep, so on and so forth, they seek medical care at that point. So um, in that context, you want to educate the person about what's going on and not only about themselves in terms of the condition, but particularly with naturopathic medicine, you know, what are the modalities that we're going to use to help you? And so there's the education about the medicine itself and the modalities, which I'll discuss a little bit later. Uh, but that way that patient is educated. And I think that people have talked about, you know, education is power, uh, knowledge is power. Uh, and so the other thing I do think that sometimes impacts an individual's health is not only poverty, um, you know, but, but hunger and things like that. And, and education can help a person move away or out of those levels, which can impact their health so much. So that's, you know, doctor is teacher, and then that is very well paired with prevent, prevention. 
So whether you have a problem and it's like, okay, what can you do to prevent that problem from happening again? And quite often that makes the situation such that the patient needs to change something because if they continue to do the same thing that they're doing, then nothing's going to really change. In our profession, um, I talk about aspects of the principles and, and using basic approaches, lifestyle approaches, as I said, and I said that that medicine is very simple. It's just not easy because the fact is that the patient needs to make changes. One of the more current terms that you hear in medicine, and I mean it's been around for a pretty long time now, so I'm not talking about just the last few years, but perhaps, you know, 15, 20 years. At the outset, they talk about patient-centered care. And in many respects, that kind of translates to patient-centered service, making sure the patient, you know, is informed about a follow-up examination or treatment this and that. But for me, patient-centered care means the patient is the one that makes the changes in their lifestyle to help improve their health. Um, and so by being in that context of you know, prevention, uh, again, that brings into the context of, you know, remove the obstacles to cure and instill the determinants to health. And if people do that, they're typically going to get better. I have an acronym that I like to use when I teach. I call it HOPE. I think most people hope that they're healthy or, you know, they have hope because they want things to be better. And I'd say, for me, hope is healthy on purpose every day. So if a patient does something healthy on purpose every day, it's almost, um, uh, I mean, you're going to get healthy. And, you know, it's not that all of a sudden, you know, you snap your fingers and, you know, you're going to, like, find the fountain of youth and this condition or that condition is going to totally resolve, but that you're going to just be healthier and hopefully happier and have a more satisfied sense of, you know, who you are as a person. Okay, uh, Dr. Nick, um, that was a great explanation, and uh, I I love your advice, and um, I can just tell that you're just really passionate about uh, what you do. And so right now, listeners, we need to go to a short break. This is Kristen Harper, radio show host. My show is Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel and also on KFNX. And today's episode is all about naturopathic principles with Dr. Nick. Please stay tuned and we'll be back very soon. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. Kristen Harper is a health and wellness speaker and founder of Perfect Health Consulting Services. She inspires people all over the world to keep healthy, happy, and motivated. Get a virtual health coaching or hair mineral analysis package at perfecthealthconsultingservices.com to help you get healthy and stay healthy. Also, go to kristenharperspeaks.com to hire Kristen Harper, a health and wellness speaker, for one of your events. Be sure to visit both of Kristen's websites, perfecthealthconsultingservices.com and k-r-i-s-t-e-n harperspeaks.com. Now is the time to take your health to the next level and become the best version of yourself. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated with Kristen Harper. If you would like to connect with her, reach out via email to Kristen at KristenHarperSpeaks.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-E-N at KristenHarperSpeaks.com. Now, back to Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated. Hello, we are back. This is Kristen Harper, radio show host. My show is Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated on Voice America's Health and Wellness channel and also on KFNX. And today's episode is all about naturopathic principles with uh, Dr. Nick. And so now I would like to um, uh, talk about... uh, you know, Dr. Nick, he is a naturopathic um, professor um, at Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine. And what he does is uh, before class starts, before he teaches, he um, plays music. And I, I do know that there are students that really enjoy this. And he teaches the medical students, the naturopathic medical students. So the students really like this when he plays music before class. And um, also then um, at the start of class, he does a moment of reflection. So my first question to you, Dr. Nick, is uh, why do you play music uh, before class starts? Well, um, I've been teaching for well, since 1993, so I've been 25, going on 26 years now. And I didn't play it, play music, you know, from the beginning. But uh, I've had the opportunity during my career as an instructor, as an educator, to learn about new educational techniques, you know, like the flipped classroom and various other ways in which you can engage students, you know, to support their learning. And so, in one of those um, seminars. Uh, that I took, you know, the instructors would talk about using ways to engage students by playing music and, and like that. So I kind of liked that idea. And so I began to do that. And the first song I actually did play was a song by Gautier, uh, somebody I used to know. And uh, uh, as I mentioned earlier, in addition to the orthopedic courses and the manual medicine manipulation courses, I also do supervise and coordinate the history and philosophy classes. And so I would have the students in their um, first quarter, so this is, you know, they're very fresh, uh, not necessarily the first day, but certainly within the first week of the class would be, and I would play that song. And it's, it's actually a good song. And it's a kind of a song about a breakup. But in any case, I tell the students that the reason I'm playing that is that during their course of being in school, maybe not on a daily basis per se, but on a quarter to basis, 
from a year-to-year basis, and by the time that they graduate, they themselves will be somebody that they used to know because they're going to evolve, they're going to change, and like that. So some of the music that I play has an intention to represent something that's going to be in the context of the course, class, that day. Not all of them. I like to play upbeat music so students can kind of come in and feel perhaps a little bit energized and, you know, upbeat in that context. And I have to say that many students do like the music. Uh, I have to say also that not all of them, you know, like the music in general, and I'm sure that some of them may not like a particular song selection. I certainly, you know, ask students, you know, provide me with a music or a song that you would like me to play or, or listen to to make sure that it's appropriate and play it. So I do the music so that students can become somewhat energized and uh, and I can tell from looking at them in, the, in, in, in their seats or standing up and walking in, some of them are moving around and kind of moving to the music. So I know that they like it or I can do like singing along to it. So I know that they, for the most part, you know, respond to it from that context. And I usually play it kind of, you know, before class actually starts, so it's just that way to kind of come into the environment and upbeat, you know, context, you know, with what I think is good music. You know, again, like I said, some people might have a different opinion of good music. But anyway, that's the reason why I play the music. And then also kind of in the same context of, you know, learning about the flipped classroom and other ways to engage student learning, um, I started to do a moment of reflection or a moment of intention. And many of those were to capture the particular topic it might be uh, for that particular course that day. And sometimes it's, you know, reflect on the importance of this principle, like first do no harm, or reflect upon the importance of another aspect, um, you know, like how important, you know, are your hands to you or how important is communication and things like that. So it gives a person an opportunity to be quiet uh, and then make that kind of, you know, transition from, you know, before class, to, to class, and many students, I think, also appreciate that, although I do see some students are, you know, disengaged or doing something else and like that, but, you know, not everybody's going to follow the program 100%, but those are the reasons that I do that, uh, and I do feel that, you know, I do it for the students, but it also helps to energize me and give me a sense of, um, you know, reflection and focus uh, before I move into um, lecturing and delivering education uh, and, and, again, helping with the the learning process of the student. You know, there's a fact, you know, teaching or being in front of students or being in front of a, you know, uh, a group, there's a little bit of um, performance in that. And uh, I enjoy that aspect of performance and teaching and perhaps the music and the, you know, reflection is, you know, part of that performance as well. It's the Dr. Nick show. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Dr. Nick, you don't have to answer this if you don't want, but uh, do you move to the music at all when you play the music? Yeah. Do you dance? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, usually, you know, I mean, different songs get me to move more than others. Uh Uh-huh. You know, so I'm not usually out there, you know, full bore headbanging, but, you know, I am moving (laughs) to the music. (laughs) No, I, I think it's great, and I've just, you know, heard uh, that um, there are students that uh, really enjoy the music and uh, feel you're just uh, very passionate um, as a professor and um, good sense of humor. Uh, yeah, and, and, Yeah, you do. I mean, you have to have fun in life, you know? Uh, yeah, I agree totally. That's one of the things that sometimes... You know, people who don't have fun in their lives, you know, that's that's a, an impediment to being healthy. 
It is. It is. It's, laughter is like one of the best. Um, laughter, is they, laughter, they say, is the best medicine. Exactly. exactly. I can't remember. I believe it might have been Bernie Siegel, who was a surgeon, and they talked about laughter and how important it was. And, um, and it might have been him personally. He was diagnosed with cancer. He had a patient that was diagnosed with cancer, and you know, pretty bad prognosis. And anyway, that individual, or maybe even that particular physician himself, you know, just looked at Three Stooges movies. There were other just funny movies. Thinking, well, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out laughing. And they got better and got over their condition, their cancer. And so that was like a discovery that, you know, laughter or happiness, positive, you know, influences, positive intentions, you know, can make a difference in a person's health. Yes, I uh, agree with you completely. Uh, so, um uh, basically, I'm like really passionate about uh, mind-body medicine, uh-huh. and I do know that there are people that have limiting beliefs about themselves, or uh-huh. and you know we have the unconscious mind, and those limiting beliefs can be stuck in the unconscious mind and can cause health issues and can affect um, every aspect of a person's life. But I had a conversation with you in the past, and we talked about limiting beliefs. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I want to find out from you, um, when do you think that these limiting beliefs usually develop? Like at what age? Do you think that they usually start in childhood or? Well, from my you know experience and the things that I've read about limiting beliefs and their effects, they start in childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think you know they have said that you know basically a child is set by the age of seven, and then it just kind of goes mm-hmm. from there. So most of this is probably early you know early childhood development, and there's a um, you know within that literature they talk about ACEs, adverse childhood events or adverse childhood experiences, and this is where Usually in the environment of the family, you know, and there's a dysfunction. As I mentioned, you know, the lack of humor in somebody's life, um, you know, just being surrounded by struggle. These are all things that are impediments to being healthy. Uh, struggle is an impediment to being healthy. And poverty is an impediment to being healthy. And so if a person, particularly a younger person, lives in an environment in which they're, you know, more or less in, in a state of fear or in a state of shame, or a state of guilt, because that's kind of what's projected onto them by mm-hmm. their caregivers, whether it be, you know, uh, father, mother, brothers, you know, whatever extended family, you know, I'm sure that we can all look at, you know, or recognize that story uh, that that exists in, in our culture, in our world. And so... At a young age, you know, people take on these beliefs. They call them, you know, sometimes people have tapes. The tapes run in your head. You're not good enough. You're not smart mm-hmm. enough. You're not this enough. You're not that enough. And then they begin to believe it. And you're not, you don't deserve to be healthy. You don't deserve to be this. You don't deserve those things. And as I said, quite often it's projection from the individual who's responsible in a, either in a parental or, you know, caregiver role that's saying that stuff and the child you know, quite often doesn't have enough sense of self to get around that and they absorb it and they kind of take it on. And quite often those things become buried or suppressed, repressed, and as I was saying with the organ will weep tears that the eyes cannot shed, that as a person goes through life, maybe they're not strong enough to really confront, you know, I'm unhappy or I don't deserve this or I've been told that I'm stupid. And 
uh, and so they have to have a level of awareness. And once that awareness comes, and certainly this is an important point in terms of finding and treat the cause and also treat the whole person. And, and therapy can be very helpful in this you know, context, whether it be talk therapy or journaling and other things like that where a person can get a sense of, you know, what's holding me back? That's an obstacle to cure or limiting beliefs. And again, I do believe that they start sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, I might have mentioned this earlier, but uh, I recently read an article in Time Magazine about Instagram and bullying and the high percentages of, you know, social media putting pressure. You know, mostly, you know, younger people, I think they tend to, you know, uh, I grew up in an, an era where computers didn't exist, cell phones didn't exist, and so there really wasn't that kind of thing. Bullying tended to be more personal or, you know, physical like that, but it exists this way. And those are things that, you know, prey on a person's sense of who they are, and if that sense of who you are is not strongly developed, you know, you then become susceptible. So awareness allows you to move out of that. A therapy, whether it's talk therapy, can help a person take responsibility. Having supportive friends, other positive influences in your life, these are all things you know, uh, that can help to turn that around for an individual. Support groups are very helpful in that context that way. Okay, uh, Dr. Nick, we need to go to a, another short break, okay. and then when we get back, I'd like to uh, share my personal story of uh, one of my limiting beliefs that I had. Uh-huh. And so sure. let's go to a quick break. This is Kristen Harper, radio show host. My show is Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel and also on X. And today is all about naturopathic principles with Dr. Nick. Please stay tuned, and we'll be back very soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Kristen Harper is a health and wellness speaker and founder of Perfect Health Consulting Services. She inspires people all over the world to keep healthy, happy, and motivated. Get a virtual health coaching or hair mineral analysis package at perfecthealthconsultingservices.com to help you get healthy and stay healthy. Also, go to kristenharperspeaks.com to hire Kristen Harper, a health and wellness speaker, for one of your events. Be sure to visit both of Kristen's websites, perfecthealthconsultingservices.com and k-r-i-s-t-e-n harperspeaks.com. Now is the time to take your health to the next level and become the best version of yourself. Addiction can affect our relationships, our families, our home, and work lives, but most importantly, ourselves. The recovery process can do wonders in the lives of people suffering from active addiction and also for those that love them. It's not just 12-step programs, but so much more. It's learning how to live life on life's terms. If you can relate to these issues or love someone who does, start with yourself. Start by tuning in to Miracles in Recovery with host Ray Lynch, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Hope is in your corner. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. 
You're listening to Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated with Kristen Harper. If you would like to connect with her, reach out via email to Kristen at KristenHarperSpeaks.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-E-N at KristenHarperSpeaks.com. Now, back to Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated. We are back. Hello, listeners. This is Kristen Harper, radio show host. My show is Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated on Voice America's Health and Wellness channel and also on KFNX. And today's episode is all about naturopathic principles with Dr. Nick. And so he talked about the naturopathic principles in detail and um, also... Uh, Before the break, we talked about limiting beliefs, which can interfere with health. And I just uh, wanted to share my story. Um, I would say I've had, you know, some obstacles in my life in terms of my health. And I think uh, one of the biggest obstacles that interfered with my health was limiting beliefs. And I do you believe I had a limiting belief of I'm not good enough, which I discovered later on in life. So I, I think I might have even had that belief possibly all the way back to childhood, not quite sure. And then um, also in the past, I had an eating disorder for nine years. And um, I didn't, I tried a lot out there to try to overcome my eating disorder, but nothing worked. And then finally, I implemented meditation into my life. I started to practice on a daily basis. And then all of a sudden, it was revealed to me during meditation, this limiting belief came up to my conscious awareness, and it was, I am fat. So so that limiting belief that I didn't realize I had in my unconscious mind that came up to conscious awareness, that was the limiting belief that caused my eating disorder, which I discovered during meditation, and then I was able to overcome my eating disorder thanks to meditation. So basically, uh, you know, I'm glad we talked about limiting beliefs today because there are people that have these limiting beliefs which can affect health. And, And Dr. Nick, I don't know how you feel about this or if you've had any um, you know, experience working with females, but I do feel that also the media, you know, media's influence, especially for females, uh, can be problematic. Where there are there are females that will um, end up with they become influenced by the media, and then they internalize those messages from the media and end up developing these limiting beliefs. Do you think the media? I think that media contributes to it. I don't know uh-huh. that it's, you know, self-generated from media, but, you know, media supports it and perhaps uh-huh. it creates another layer. I do think that, you know, if you, most people, I do believe, you know, watch television or streaming or some other, you know, like I said, when I grew up, it was TV and you had to get up, turn the knobs and the volume. It wasn't remote. But in any case, now I think that, you know, people may not watch TV as much as they watch streaming devices or things on their computer. But certainly there is advertisements. Yeah, advertisements. Everybody looks, you know, beautiful. Exactly. And I think a person can look at that and say, oh, my God, that's what I'm supposed to look like. Because that's like what TV is saying is, quote, unquote, normal. And if you can recognize it, that, you know, that's not me, 
it can create, you know, that limiting belief of, you know, like, I'm not good enough or like that. So I don't know that it's on purpose per se, but I think it's a side effect mm-hmm. that the promotions of advertisements and, you know, that aspect of this is how you should look because this is what it's like to be on TV, that, you know, uh, that becomes kind of quote-unquote the normal. And if an individual, you know, doesn't fit that quote-unquote normal and they recognize that, it can create, you know, stresses for them. As I said, stress and anxiety and depression are things I think were on the rise in our culture. And I also think that social media makes things like bada-bing, bada-boom, tomorrow, today, right now. And um, mm-hmm. so there's so much pressure that a person, you know, may not be able to have defensive, the defense mechanism or the sense of self strong enough to, you know, um, fight against that pressure, they more or less kind of succumb to it. And I, I think so it, gets, it supports that aspect of limiting beliefs uh, more than it creates it. Um, but, you know, as you said, Kristen, in relationship to you know, your discovery through meditation, as I was saying, self-awareness is so important. That's the first yes. step, whether it's through therapy yep. or journaling or meditation. You know, a person becomes yep. aware. And once they become aware, they're yes. like, wow, you know, uh, there's something else. I am more. And then it's all important, too, to have that be supported by positive influences, positive friends, support groups, you know, meditation, reading, you know, positive books or articles, looking at media in a way that, you know, produce positive, this radio station, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, providing positive influences for, for people who are listening and so on and so forth. You know, that's what people key in on and then can make that positive turn in their life to support their V, so their healing power of nature, and uh, remove an obstacle to cure, which would be a limiting to belief, and then install the determinants to health, which is to get positive influences. Yep, that is uh, so true. And so, um, uh, like I mentioned, I was the one that developed the limiting belief that I was influenced by the media, but I don't feel the media caused my eating disorder. I just think that the media wasn't influenced, but I myself developed a limiting belief. And so now, uh, Dr. Nick, so um, let's say, because I I just, I'm very um, passionate about a natural approach, you know, for people to get Mm -hmm. healthy. And I feel like everyone, every, like you mentioned, like, you know, people need to take steps to get healthy. And I feel like everyone should be doing this. And, and so would, let's say if there was just like one piece of advice that you could uh, give to my listeners right now, just one piece of advice of maybe a, a, a step that they can take to make a positive change today to get healthy, taking a natural approach. Mm-hmm. What would it be? What um, would it be? I, mean, I guess the first thing that popped into my head when you say that was to just focus on and believe that I love myself and I deserve to be healthy. Wow, I love that. That's awesome. It's <laughs> an affirmation and... You know, you could write it down, put it on the on the fridge. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier in, in our uh, episode today, healthy on purpose every day. You know, that's a thought process that you can, you know, consciously bring into your awareness to say, you know, I'm good enough to, and I deserve to be healthy. I love myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I love that. And so um, I, before we... Um, you know, give out your contact information. Huh? Um, so I, I'm assuming, too, because you're really busy. You have a busy schedule. Yep. Uh, you're a professor. You're a physician. You're doing a lot. But I'm assuming you still, um, ha- you know, t- have balance in your life or you're still. I try to, um, yes. 
That, that's good. And, and uh, so if my listeners would like to reach out to you or even huh? set up an appointment at your clinic, would you be able to share your contact information? Sure. Um, a couple things that could be done. I know you said that through the uh, Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine, they have a w- website, uh, scnm.edu, I believe. But in any case, there's information about me there. Um, I do practice uh, or supervise students uh, at the Neil Reardon Center for Re- uh, Genitive Medicine. Um, and so that phone number, I can say it, it's 480-422-1662. So I uh, supervise students there and have a rotation uh, on Tuesday afternoon, that's one way. I do also have a private practice, um, which is in Tempe. Um, the phone number to my clinic here is 480-831-0717. And I also have a website that I have, uh, which is Services. I know it's kind of a long name, but it's Arizona Naturopathic Services. Uh, .com. So you can read more about me and things that I do and aspects of uh, my practice uh, there and, and, uh, and like that. So those are the, you know, the more direct, most direct ways to contact you know, uh, me and my practice. Okay. Well, uh, Dr. Nick, I enjoyed uh, conversing with you. I learned a lot today. And, I, uh, and I just want to thank you for making a difference in this world and helping people. Sure. Well, thank you. So thank you so much. You take care. I will. You too. Thank you, Kristen. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Okay, listeners, um, we're at the end of my show right now, and so I would love to hear from you. If you could please uh, send me an email. My email address is Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, at KristenHarperSpeaks.com, and let me know if you have any um, questions any uh, comments and also what future topics that you would like to hear in the future. My show is all about health and wellness and is opposite of mainstream health and wellness programs. And I'm excited because I have some amazing guests coming on in the future, including a celebrity singer and guitarist later in August who will be talking about her life and also the importance of eating organic foods and also, um, I do have a Get Healthy ebook at perfecthealthconsultingservices.com that you can check out, which uh, has a lot of information in that ebook as far as you know, ways to get healthy. And then also, I have a, a speaking website at kristenharperspeaks.com. And you know, make sure you uh, tune in every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time, wishing all of you a wonderful week and many blessings. Thank you for being a part of the show this week. Tips to keep you healthy, happy, and motivated with your host, Kristen Harper, can be heard live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Kristen can't wait to speak again next week.